comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division. Can I get get a new name for that? Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. Russell, I think I would completely wash out of S.H.I.E.L.D. in just a few days. Why do you say that, Brad? Because I have a problem with authority figures. Don't talk to me about authority. <laughs> and arguably, S.H.I.E.L.D. has one of the uh, you know, biggest ones, as we, uh, were, as we were treated to last night in a very special scene. It, it was not so subtle. I mean, it was funny when the promos came in. And the little eagle logo on the shield had a little eye patch on it. I think that pretty much uh, gave it away. But but it was it was a nice surprise. I it's it's funny on the way home today. I was like, you know, it it was a little uh, I felt a little slightly cheesy, very over the top. But I loved every second of it, and I wouldn't have had it any other way because it was just awesome. I laughed. I laughed so hard. Well, I've come to associate. Sam Jackson, Jackson, Action Jackson, Sam Jackson as being a little cheesy and over the top in whatever he does. True. That is, is, yeah, that is true. Which is uh, fine with me because I like it. I totally agree. Welcome to The Shield Podcast, Episode 2, uh, where we're going to talk about Episode 2 of the TV show entitled 084. The grammar Nazi in me wants to say 084, but we'll say 084 because that's what they do. If we have to. Uh, we got some feedback from... La- uh, John is not going to be able to join us tonight because he's got family duties, and that's fine. We all have families, and so we understand. Um, but he did send us his thoughts on Episode 2, and we will play those uh, in a voicemail, an audio file, later in the episode when we're finished talking about it. But we did get our very first email at shieldpodcast at hhwlod.com from Matthew Marks. Thank you, Matthew, for taking the time to write us. Uh, Anybody else wants to send us their thoughts, please do so at shieldpodcast at hhwlod.com. Matthew says, Hey guys, I love the show. Both Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, that is. Thank you, Matthew. I seem to remember hearing that Iron Man 3, Thor 2, and Captain America would all take place at the same time. If that is the case, then the idea of using the S.H.I.E.L.D. show to lead into Thor 2 in November and Captain America 2 in the spring wouldn't really work since the pilot shows us that this show takes place after Iron Man 3 because of the extremist reference. And even if they're not planning on tying the movies and shows together in that way, it still raises another problem. Will the show not address any major events from the next two movies, even though they presumably already happened? Or will they refer to things, when he says next two movies, he means Thor 2 and Captain America 2. Or will they refer to things that the viewing audience has not seen yet? How do you think the show will handle this nonlinear timeline? There is also the possibility that I'm misremembering this concurrent movie thing, or maybe it was an unconfirmed rumor or an idea that they had changed once they got into planning the S.H.I.E.L.D. show. Matt Marks. Um, I don't recall ever hearing anything about those three movies taking place at the same time. Do you, Russ? No, not specifically. I th- I think in general, the thinking was they were supposed to take place relatively close to each other. I've never heard anything to say it was sim- simultaneous. And, uh, you know, obviously when Thor 2 comes out and when Captain America comes out, I think we'll probably get a, a clearer picture of where they fall in the timeline. Although... The Marvel movies up to date haven't done a really good job of showing us exactly how much time is, uh, has occurred between movies. I mean, the clearest example we get, I think, of of how much time has elapsed is in Iron at the end of Iron Man two, where we see news reports of the thing going on with the Hulk. 
we know that um, Coulson left to go check out Thor's hammer. So we we kind of generally have have that timeline, but not specifically. So um, yeah, I, I don't remember it that way either. It's not to say that Matthew is wrong. It just correct. It could, it could be that neither Russ nor myself have heard anything uh, about this. Um, I would think that would really limit their uh, ability to exploit the universe in this TV show if they did it that way. But then again, maybe that's what they want so they don't feel obligated to participate in the movie part of it. Yeah, and I think one of the things, I mean, obviously neither movie is released yet, so it's it's all speculation at this point, but I think of the two that Thor 2 is probably going to have some more real impacts into this world than Captain America 2. From what I understand of Captain America, the Winter Soldier, it seems to be a very uh, spy-centric movie, like 70s uh, spy thriller type of, of flick, um, which would lead me to believe that they're going to try and keep things hush-hush, that it's not going to be any major uh, global conspiracy um, or, you know, like a James Bond kind of thing where, you know, Cap and Black Widow and S.H.I.E.L.D. have to save the world from this crazy plot. Um, we've seen in the trailers for Thor 2 that uh, there's some some real damage that looks like is occurring to the to the world itself. So I, I would I would expect that as time goes by, if something's going to come in, it's going to be um, Thor 2 having an impact more so than Cap, but remains remains to be seen. Either way, I hope. You know, whatever they decide to do works. You know what I mean? We don't want... we. Don't, I don't want to have to... I love continuity, and I'm a stickler for that, and I don't want to have to... I just want it to fit, and I don't want to have to sort it around in my brain, you know? Uh, agreed, agreed. Uh, so, Brad, as you know, as we were going back through the Facebook messages before recording, we got a IM from longtime listener of several of the podcasts on the network, uh, Mr. Callum Reevy from Australia. Yeah, he's a he's a good Sheila, not at all stuck up. <laughs> You've actually met him in person. I did, yeah. We uh that was a, a wonderful uh experience to meet this guy from Australia and his family and he recorded two episodes of Half Hour Wasted with me and my friends Frank and Bill. And then uh something incredibly sad happened. I'm not gonna go into it, but we lost the recordings and uh, have yet to retrieve them. So we got to meet him, but there's no proof, <laughs> except for the pictures we took. But, uh, yeah, he's a great guy. Yeah, 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 he's been very supportive of all the shows on the network. Yes, very much so. So uh, whenever he has feedback... And, has it, and he's in the future right now. He's a he, time traveler. He is, he is. Um, yeah, there was one opportunity on, on LOD where he was able to actually call in um, and we were able to to speak to him, which is a, is a rare treat. Uh, so anyway, shout out to Callum. Uh, but he he just kind of popped this message to us. He said um, his thoughts on on episode one. Uh, I think it was good, just good, not great. My main problem was that it seemed in a bit heavy handed and constantly reminding us about New York and how the world has changed. Uh, love the Whedon writing. Cast is very easy on the eyes. That it is, and uh, it's even funny somebody mentions it that very thing in the uh in episode two about Coulson's team being uh attractive. Yeah. In this episode even the bad guys are attractive. Hmm. Especially the girl, huh? Yeah. Camilla? And indeed. I can't make that noise very well, but that's pretty much what it was. And they I yeah. Um so I guess we could just jump right into talking about episode two if you like. Yeah, we'll we'll have some more comments about episode two specifically when we when we get through with our conversation of it, because um, we, we did get some more Facebook comments and we have John's voicemail to play. Yes, you start. What do what do you got on your list? Um, I got I got a bunch of stuff. I thought overall, I th I thought this episode was a good change of pace from episode one. In um, what way? Well, I was a little concerned that it was going to be constantly freak of the week. And uh, that that's kind of a Smallville term that 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 came out because that's pretty much the first three seasons of Smallville. It was or some, X Files, right? Well, yeah, X Files too. Uh, where it was some in the Smallville case, it was some Kryptonian ir irradiated person that became some sort of threat. In the X Files, it was just some random uh, unexplained event that they had to investigate. Um, 
so I was really concerned when we saw J. August Richards' character as as a quote superhero and tied into extremists and all that, that it was just going to be them globe trotting around the world investigating these uh, uh, unregistered gifteds or registered gifteds, wh- whichever the case may be. Uh, and so this one, having it start out, and they're saying that they're going after a zero, an 084, as they say, and and the last 084 was uh, Thor's hammer, and look how that turned out. I, I thought it was really cool that it was a, it was a good change of pace to show that it doesn't always have to be about superheroes or uh, or enhanced humans or you know whatever the you know the, the gifted the the Marvel cinematic version of the word mutant since Fox uh, kind of holds that so I like the fact that that was a change of pace so my hope is moving forward that we're going to see them rotate through these these various threats that it's not always going to be supers it's not always going to be some crazy device. Uh, that it may be some large organization that just kind of has has a movement. We know that Rising Tide is out there, so I do like the fact that that, like I said, we're not getting the kind of the freak of the week thing that's that's you know crammed down our throat. Yeah, I would agree. I um, I think I liked uh, the change of pace. Also, I just wasn't exactly. I mean, in 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 the way you described it, I just wasn't exactly sure what you meant by change of pace. Like if you meant more action, less dialogue, but I, I see what you're saying, and yeah, I would I would agree with you. Um, remember, we had talked about the writing of these episodes, and IMDb told us Joss Whedon had been credited along with his brother and uh, Marissa. Is that it, Marissa? Yes, Marissa Tancherone. Yeah, um, credited with writing, but uh, his his name was not in the opening credits. Uh, the one that replaced his name was uh, Jeffrey Bell, so he didn't actually write this episode or he wasn't credited for it let's put it that way right right which is kind of what i heard early on that he had a heavy hand in the pilot uh and that was it i think um the other people really have a good feel for you know the joss whedon dialogue style yeah yeah definitely um you know they had a heavy hand in writing on i I keep saying heavy hand a lot but uh they had a they had a big influence on the writing of dollhouse which was the previous joss whedon television experience so you know and and obviously being directly related to joss i'm sure they uh sure they understand where he's coming from and i will always whenever i can throw in a plug for uh dr horrible's sing-along blog yes. so so great so incredibly great don't let the fact that they're singing in it scare you away if you haven't seen it so good all right yeah back to shield i i like that we're starting to slowly understand more about Melinda May. Yeah, the cavalry. Um, the cavalry. So did you think that was her nickname or that was a, a part of the S.H.I.E.L.D. organization that she was a part of? No, I wasn't sure exactly until, I didn't know what I thought until she said, I told you never to call me that. So that to me makes it sound like that's the nickname that she's earned, like perhaps maybe coming in at the last second, here come the cavalry, you know, saving the day. Yeah. Um, I kind of, I kind of think that's a nickname she doesn't care for. I totally agree. I mean, she was very adamant about, about that. Uh, And I guess we found out that there's something that happened in Bahrain uh, that was kind of the catalyst for her leaving the field and going behind the desk. And, and Ward seemed to kind of to pick at her a little bit about that. Uh, in general, but but we got to see a lot of Melinda May the tactician, uh, and honestly, Melinda May the badass. I mean, I was just gonna say that, you know, I, I, that's what she is, and I like this Melinda May a lot more than I did the Melinda May from last episode. I mean, I realize it's we're only two episodes in, but she was awesome in this episode. I. Yeah, watching her character, I want to. I want to get coffee with her. Yeah, <laughs> watching this Melinda May made me want her to be the Maria Hill character from the Shield movie or from the Avengers movie. Like a lot more assertive, um, a lot more of that of that Maria Hill. That like, I guess what I'm saying is she played a better Maria Hill than than the Maria Hill character played at being Maria Hill, knowing her from the comics. Absolutely. I would agree 100% on that. And that was one of the things that I was disappointed with in the Avengers movie is that as a comic book reader, when I see a character, my original 
feel, thoughts and feelings are, hey, you know, it's going to be this way because of the comic book character, but Maria Hill certainly was not as tough as the comic, and the movie was not as tough as the comic book, and that's fine, I'm, I'm past that now, but uh, yeah, I would agree, she, this one is very similar to the Maria Hill in the comics, I think. Yes. And I'm okay with that. Yeah, me too. Completely, yeah. Um, So this episode finds the group, and I guess this is kind of the getting the band together type of episode. I mean, this is very reminiscent of the methodology, maybe not as overtly, maybe just by circumstance, uh, that the the Avengers got together in in the movie. So there there needed to be some sort of catalyst to get these these group of misfits to come together and work as a team. And, And I would even argue that the group that they've pulled together for this shield TV show is much more um, disparate than, than in the Avengers. I mean, yes, uh, they all had very different backgrounds, but in the end, they were all superheroes to one degree or another, um, whether directly superpowered or through technology or through freak accident, whatever the case may be, they all had that in common. And this group is very, very different. I mean, you know, you have, you know, field agents, you have just average person, and you have two, you know, highly intelligent, uh, very well-educated scientists as a part of the team, as well as is kind of a the older vet in, in Coulson himself. I'm really enjoying how the other people on their team refer to Fitz and Simmons as a single entity. Yes. I think that's really clever, and uh, I like it. One of the things I noticed for this episode, and I think this is, I've heard this criticism of episode one, is that the dialogue seemed to slow down a little bit. I, th- I think in the first episode, the dialogue seemed to be very quickly delivered, like people talking very fast and interrupting each other. And it seemed like maybe they, they you know, because again, pilot shot well in advance of a full episode run, time to tweak and change some things. And it seems like that was pulled back a little bit in this episode, that, that we got more... Um, speaking that that was easier to follow and not it didn't feel as rushed to me. Yeah, and even the the sisters played by a different actress. Wait a minute, nope, I'm thinking of a sitcom that just started. I'm getting my new shows mixed up. I'm just being silly. You're crossing the streams. Yeah, don't cross the streams. Um, I like. I don't know why I have such a hard time remembering this. Simmons is the girl. Yes. Okay. I'm I'm gonna say this out loud to maybe it'll get in my head. Fitz Simmons. Boy, girl, man, woman. You know, typically that's how the different sexes are referred to. Man and woman. Boy and girl. So that'll help me remember Fitz and Simmons. Boy, girl. Okay. I, I'm I'm falling in love with Simmons a little bit, and I'm falling out of love with um, Sky a little bit. No offense, Chloe Bennett. You're uh, a good actress, but I think maybe that's the point of the character. <laughs> um, <laughs> starting to not... Uh, I don't know. She's getting on my nerves a little bit. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I'm really... sure Chloe Bennett is a lovely person in in real life, and I'd get coffee with her too. But Sky, I would just rather avoid. Gotcha. Yeah, I think I think it's again. I think she's another one that is going to get toned down over time because I think she is a little over the top, a little too Joss Whedon-y, if if that's a term. Maybe, maybe so. Let's. Um, I don't know. You know, maybe I just. Uh, I'm trying not to make assumptions. You know, and sure. But my feeling is that I'm not going to like this character, but maybe, in fact, I will. You know, they introduced a little different aspect to her character at the end of the show, which kind of makes me, you know, curious. We'll get to that. We'll get to that later. Once again, Coulson says magical place. You think we're going to hear that every episode? You know, that that was one of the things I was going to get into is right off the bat again, and I guess because he's having this conversation with Skye and he's not having it with uh, Ward and... Uh, and Maria Hill, but he goes on and says that he was stabbed by an, you know, Asgardian, you know, demigod or whatever. Um, and then he went off to Tahiti, and I think she even said, like, I hear it's a ma- magical place or something or something like that. And he's like, yes. He's, and- he's the one that actually said the words. I'm beginning to wonder if maybe in whatever happened to him, if he got hypnotized and and uh, like every time he hears the words Tahiti, he has to use the words magical place following it in the next sentence. Yeah, yeah. But it, it felt it felt very redundant. And and again, I realize he's saying this in front of a character that didn't hear that conversation the last time. But I don't think we need to keep getting hit over the head with that. Um, I think the New York references are cool. I think the Avengers references are cool. 
Um, but at two episodes in, I think they're starting to feel a little forced. Like they're they're working that in, even when it's not really necessary for them to work it in, just to work it in. And I think it's it's okay to dial that back. It's okay to throw a casual reference every now and then. But it just seems like, given the fact that we've only seen two episodes, there's been it's been very re- referential to uh, to that whole to the other greater universe. How many times uh, did they actually mention New York this time? I only recall one, but uh, that even felt like too many. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point, I think I can go a couple episodes where they're not. You know, Spider-Man wasn't always swinging in the background of New York City every time Iron Man was flying around, you know, in every comic issue. You know, it was right. kind of cool when it would happen occasionally, but we didn't need to see it every time. Uh, and, and I think I think I'm at that point with with this show that we don't need to see it every time. But it, it, it you know, one of the things I, I guess getting into to the meat of the episode. So the the. The purpose behind this is a 084 is basically an unknown, an object of unknown origin. You know, basically um, alien technology is, I guess, what they're referring to. I mean, Thor's hammer was directly referenced as the previous 084, which I thought was really cool. I mean, that's a reference to me that works. Um, you know, it's it's something they can reference and the rest of everybody kind of will get what, what they're talking about when they reference it that way. Uh and then they show up at this dig site and it, it seemed a little weird because it was supposedly like this chamber that they found, but yet it was at the front of this huge structure uh, out in the, in the Peruvian jungle. And it just seems like this is something that would have been found before 2013. But um, I, I guess that again, suspension of disbelief. Um, and, it, and it was interesting as we got to know more about it. The thing I thought that was really cool with that object is, um, for for those of you that aren't World War II buffs or don't know much about the ending of World War II, a lot of Nazi scientists escaped to South America after the end of the war uh, and kind of set up camp there. And so what I thought was awesome about this episode is they tied this device into that, that this device was directly tied into, I mean, uh, Fitz even says specifically that it it's Cosmic Cube, te- the Tesseract technology, uh, thrown in with gamma radiation, and he specifically mentions Captain America, Hydra, you know, Nazis, World War II, that that whole thing. Uh, so that basically, escaped Nazi scientists um, or Hydra scientists went to Peru and were working on weapons for the Peruvian government, and this is one that just got away uh, and and found itself lodged in this uh, Mayan or Incan temple. Um, and it, to me, that was just sheer genius because I just that just kind of hit me on all the right the right paces. The thing that bothered me about the artifact was that Simmons said it, I think it was her, that said it was 1,500 years old. Um, I think they said that the chamber was 1,500 years old, and I think at the time they thought the object has been in there as long as that chamber was there as well. Oh, if they were referencing the chamber, I, I missed that. I didn't get it. Yeah, and, and then when That's I easier think... to swallow than, than saying that object was... 1500 years old and, and you know you, you said um it would seem like this this object would have been found a lot sooner because it's so close to the front entrance maybe it only recently you know appeared there maybe it was sent back in time or forward in time or something and it just appeared i mean it's possible i mean the way they made it sound was like this object was lost like in the 50s or the 60s or some, somewhere in that time frame and it and it conceivably could have made a small hole but it just seemed like this whole chamber was newly discovered, yet it was very close to the opening. But anyway, like I said, well, that's splitting hairs. And I think, you know, what makes this um, easier to accept is the phrase TV budget. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. I think we're good on that. Um, you already mentioned it, but Coulson, I liked it when Coulson said, you know, the last 084 we had was a hammer. I thought that was that was pretty neat to know yeah. that they had classified that as in the same thing. Shield also drives Lexus cars, by the way. I don't know if you noticed that. No, I didn't pick that up. Yeah, the the black SUV they were driving was a Lexus. Gotcha. So, you know, a bulletproof Lexus at that. Indeed. In the chamber, Sky, I want to talk about Sky's hackerness, hacker ability. She says she's looking at her smartphone, I guess, and she says there's nothing about this. I've searched every data stream. How do you search every data stream from a cell phone? 
Oh, uh, let's say it's a, a shield device that she was given. How do you search every data stream, you know, in 30 seconds? Uh, I don't know. This is, and I think this falls into every TV show that deals with any kind of technology from NCIS to, uh, to any, to, to CSI, to any uh, type of forensic show where it's assumed that there's a database in every building company, government installation that catalogs every single thing that goes on everywhere all the time. And that database can be easily accessed from the outside at any time. Um, and everything has this really cool graphical interface uh, tied to it. And being a software guy for almost 20 years and being into computers for a very long time, that's just one of those things that just really irritates me when people start throwing out computer babble and it's all just nonsense and none of it really makes <laughs> makes sense. Did um, uh, What about the techno babble on uh, Star, uh, Star Trek Next Generation? Did that get to you as well? No, because... You know, again, future technology, you know, all that kind of stuff. But sure. it, it, again, it gets to the point where it's just like they're just throwing words out just to make things sound oh, sure. cool. Yeah. Um, so, again, I think it's just suspension of disbelief. I I realize not everybody out there deals with computers at the level that some of us do on a daily basis. And it's and it, it, it nobody even gives it a second thought. But for me, just being that. You know, that's what I do every day all the time. It's just one of those things that that irritates me. Um, But back to Sky directly. Yeah. The only show explanation I could see is just that because she's kind of got this hacker background, uh, it could be tied into Rising Tide that maybe she has access to some sort of Rising Tide database or Rising Tide uh, technology that monitors, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, you know, Snapchat, Snapchat. whatever whatever the you know message board may be and and she's using that to kind of search some sort of aggregated service um tied to her to this discussion i think i know ward said it he said what i was thinking which is to sky why are you here what is your job what's your purpose on this team and i'm i can't help it but wonder that myself and you know i'm starting to think that colson and as we see, saw at the end of the episode, I'm sure everybody listening knows who we're referring to, but we'll say his, save his name for last. I think those two guys know that she was... Keep your re- enemies close? Well, she was revealed to be, I'm assuming, still working for Rising Tide when she was getting a text message and she replied, I'm in, to whoever it was that sent her a deal. I'm thinking Coulson and the other guy know that She's a double agent, for lack of a better term. I think, yeah. they're, I think they're aware. And, heck, we'll just say, when Fury says, you know, that Sky Girl, she's a risk. And he says, I know. Yeah. I, you know, I, it just, she's smart. She's resourceful. Yes. And he says, you know, Ward says, she doesn't think like us. And, and, and Coulson says, exactly. Well, I don't know. There's almost just not enough there for me to believe that he would have let her on the team just because she's smart. So I'm thinking he's aware of something we're not. And and probably what he's aware of is that, you know, she's a double agent. So maybe he can use that to his advantage. And and I think Fury knows it too. Yeah. I I think, like I said before, I think it's keep your friends close, your enemies closer. Uh, Knowing the ties she has to rising tide, knowing how little they really know about that organization. Um, and given the fact that she knows about S.H.I.E.L.D. and knows about kind of what's going on more so than most people, I think it's an opportunity to bring her into the fold. But from a, a skill set perspective, I think, again, if you're going to go that route and pull your you know, potential enemy in close and maybe try and turn her to what they're, that they are doing some good, that this isn't just about... Uh, some and especially in you know current real world stuff with NSA spying and things like that to kind of bring her in and say look we're not all just a bunch of bad guys we're not all about keeping secrets and keeping things from the public there is some really bad stuff going on out here and I'm we're gonna bring you in and show you firsthand why we do the things that we do um, and then second to that she does have more people skills than say Ward and definitely. 
than Fitz or Simmons, and May is kind of out outside that scope. I mean, she's more like Ward than she is like anything else. So it kind of gives them a, a way if they need to kind of blend or go undercover that they have someone that you know can talk to real people and to be personable and act as a as a good cover. Yeah, I can see that, and maybe that's all it is, but. Something just tells me that there's more to it, and maybe it's only oh, because yeah. because you know she was texting some mysterious person. But I think later on we'll find out that he does know that uh, Coulson does know, and and in fact they've been monitoring her cell phone, you know, ever since she's started getting text messages from these people. And he's like, "You really think you're going to bring a cell phone on here? And we're not going to be able to read it and monitor yeah. what you're texting, you know, something like that." So. Exactly. Yeah. I, I yeah I definitely again I think that's that's a very Joss Whedon typical thing is and we talked about this last episode a bit is multiple plot lines multiple objectives going on you know we've got what happened to Coulson we've got what's going on with Melinda May we've got um, and now what's what's going on with Sky so I I think we're going to see those plot lines evolve and and you know it's a way that they could keep things moving and not just have to give us one story. Um, or or feel like you know that's the only plot line going. Uh, it keep, keeps you on your toes, and when they bring something up, it kind of makes you go, "Oh, geez, I forgot that that was still an unanswered question, or that was still an avenue we needed to go down." So, yeah. Um, you know what I'm getting tired of already? Two episodes in, is Ward saying, "I'm a loner, Dotty." Yeah, exactly. Yes. You know? Yes. Yeah. There were there were two things. I'm trying to throw in as many obscure references as I can to other things. Yeah. Um, you get ten points if you if you get that reference, but uh, you know I'm tired of hearing him say that I'm working. I usually work alone. Yeah, we get it. You know, you're on a team now. Man up. Uh, yeah, and well, that's and basically that's... what Colson said to him today. Yeah, this episode. It, I mean, yeah, it's funny. On my notes, you know, I kind of take notes as the show goes on, and one of the notes I had was, um, I hope this infighting doesn't keep dragging on. You know, the fact that they can't get along, and that you know Ward is the loner. And then when they had their moment where they were all tied up together later in the episode and they and they worked their way out of it and they worked together as a team and they they take the fall as a team, I was like, okay, finally, we're past, I hope. I mean, a little bit of bickering is is fine because that just keeps things fresh. And, you know, it's like anything else, um, any other relationship, it's not as much fun when you agree on everything all the time. You know, you like to kind of hear a dissenting opinion. But I think we're past the big, we can't work together, these people shouldn't be here, I'm a, I'm a loner. So I really hope that this episode, if nothing else, got us over that hump. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Um, let's talk about Camilla. Uh, yeah. That's, yeah, she was hot. Okay, we'll just get that, <laughs> we'll just get that out of the way. Uh-huh. Uh, she looked to be a little young. Uh, maybe. Not, she... not what I mean is young to have the experience that she does. I mean, did she look, if she's Coulson's age, she looks good. No, I don't think she's Coulson's age, but I think she's, uh, 40, maybe, uh, early forties okay. at, at the, at the high end. Um, but probably late third, you know, right around 40, I would say. And her, I don't know who the actress is. Uh, she looked familiar to me, so maybe I've seen her before, but her accent kind of went in and out. Yeah. Yeah. She didn't sound like, uh, she was a native Spanish speaker from a South American country. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but... But again. I can get over that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the way Coulson's mind works. You know, he figures stuff out. Mm-hmm. You know, and when he figured out what she was doing, you know, he just kind of explained it and laid it out. But there was something he said to her, like, we had history. When did you decide to throw that away? And she said, when I saw your team... And I'm curious as to what that means exactly when I saw your team. Or maybe I'm reading into something. I mean, what about his team upset her? You know what I mean? Maybe the fact that they showed up at all and were wanting to take that object back and not let her have it or not let her government have it or play ball. That, you know, he showed up with a team that was taking charge and um, or knew they were coming to take charge, maybe. Maybe I just was reading into something. It could be something as simple as that, but it just sounded, it was, she was very specific, you know, when I saw your team, that's when I made my decision. And so I was just wondering if maybe I missed something. Yeah, no, I don't, I, I, there was nothing overt. 
Um, but yeah, that was a cool sequence because it was kind of that was going on, and we had the the heartfelt moment with Sky and Ward where they kind of cleared the air with each other. And, you know, she was kind of telling them about Rising Tide, too, that I, I think she was trying to give the counter shield argument, right? That Coulson's trying to tell her, look, you know, we're not all a bunch of bad guys, like I was saying before. And I think she was trying to tell Ward, look, look, Rising Tide isn't this evil organization that, you know, they're just trying to get to the bottom of, you know, what's going on and to, to kind of keep people informed. And I think they kind of cleared the air with each other a bit. And so it was kind of neat to see that and then what was going on with Coulson and the fact that Ward started to notice that the that the Peruvian soldiers weren't drinking like they, you know, they were pretending like they were drinking to stay sober. Yeah. Uh, and it was really awesome when when it really hit Coulson. He's like, OK, Ward has about 20 seconds to get to May before you know, they take over the plant, you know, he like, he totally like everything came together in that moment for yeah. him at the same moment, it was all coming together for Ward. So I thought that was really cool that the two of them were on the same page. And then, you know, it started to hit the fan right at that moment on that plane. Yeah, that was a, that was a pretty neat scene. I liked it. Yeah. And, and again, from a pacing thing, it was cool because I really thought when they showed up in the jungle that that was where the whole episode was going to take place. It was going to be some sort of crazy thing going on with this chase and them being in the jungle. And for it really just to be what the first 15, 20 minutes tops of the episode uh, and the rest of it all took place on the, on the, the aircraft, I thought was really cool. Again, you know, kind of throw threw me off a little bit as far as what I expected to see when I actually saw. Well, we knew something big was going to happen on the plane because of the beginning of the episode. Sure, sure, but I, I just, I guess, I thought it was gonna, yeah, be more towards the end than it really was. I only have two more items other than the cameo at the end on my list. So if you have more than that, let's hit it. Let's hit some of yours. A couple things I had. Oh, the tech. Let's talk about the tech a little bit. So there were two things that jumped out, other than, of course, the object itself, which we, you know, talked about being uh, tesseract slash hydra uh, uh, slash gamma technology uh, is we got to see the Stark interface with Fitz and Simmons when they were, yes, you know, the, the whole, exactly like the Tony Stark thing, you know, with the hands and pulling things apart and throwing things away. And so do you think, do you think, um, that means that Stark gave him that or you think, uh, cause it looked too similar to, to yeah. not be exactly what wire framed and yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was yeah. really neat seeing that. And so far I'm happy with the, the CG work on this, on this show. For TV, yeah. I'm really surprised it's as good as it is, to be honest with you. Yeah. Yeah, um, but so I that, dig that stuff. I can't wait till that's real life. Yeah, no kidding. Um, be awesome. It's funny. There's a lot of tech people that uh, that would disagree with that type of uh, interface. But anyway, that, that's, a, that's a topic for another show. Um, the, other, the other piece of tech was the staff. So Ward, when they were kind of all yeah. surrounded, they needed to get away. Ward does that cool jump, tumble, uh, slam down the staff. And it it has that energy wave that just knocks uh, the attacking soldiers back. And again, it looked very similar to uh, Cosmic Cube slash Tesseract technology. It had that blue, shimmery uh, effect to it, you know, both when it was powering up and then when it actually the the force field or the force thing kind of uh, shot itself out. Do you think um, they've just studied it enough that that they kind of were able to replicate it a bit I, i'm thinking so uh well and we've even speculated uh, you know not on this show but on other shows uh that that we do on the network when the avengers was coming out and i and the iron man movies were out that that tony stark's reactor his repulsor technology is is if not inspired by but directly related to the tesseract technology uh, it has kind of the same, you know, unlimited energy. It has that blue, you know, glowing uh, look to it and everything else. So uh, I definitely think that there's some things that have been learned from it and, and vice versa. It could be as simple as that it looks cool with a blue glow. Could be. Who knows? But either way works for me. Although it is, it is, it does make you think Tesseract technology if it's blue. So let's go with they've, you know, learned how to integrate it a bit. But that was a cool weapon, though. Yeah, yeah, very much. Very much so. And then, 
you know, just the whole, you know, Melinda, you know, when you hear that crunch, oh, when they're all yeah. tied up, and I think it was Fitz that said, what the hell is that? Yeah. And then, and then Ward says, uh, dislocated uh, uh, wrist or something like that, and we find that Melinda May has like, freed herself, and she gets in the car, or the, the, the little SUV thing, and crashes it through, and, um, you know, and then the whole, again, the whole bit with, uh, you know, having the weapon tear out the plane. It was really awesome when that whole thing was happening because you, again, Coulson is so in tune to how these guys think. As soon as he kind of got wind that that may be what's going to happen, he started to tie the ropes around his hand to, to hold on instead yeah. of just, just uh, loosening himself. Uh, so so that was that was a really cool bit. It looked like they used one of the dwarves to um, power up the item, the OA-4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. kind of hovered above it. I didn't see it, like, push a button or flick a switch. It's almost like it just the energy being close to it kind of powered it up. Right. Well, we found that the thing is very touchy, and that's what yeah. Fitz was very concerned, that it was a very touchy thing, and being that it had some sort of gamma uh, technology involved in it, he was really concerned. <laughs> Yeah. Um, did you hear them when, when, when Coulson was, you know, tied up and she was before the plane got, you know, the hole got blown in the plane, the radio call that came over to Coulson, did you hear them say shield six one six? Yes. Yes. That was cool. I don't know if that was Coulson's call sign or if that's what the, the plane's call sign was, but the fact that they, that they used six one six was pretty cool. Why don't you explain to those non comic book, fans what 616 is referring to or what you and I would like to think that's what they were name dropping yeah so we'll get geeky on you guys that uh, that don't read the comics uh the marvel universe is kind of divided into what they have like alternate timelines alternate realities alternate universes whatever you want to call it and at some point i think it was uh i think it was war it was either war i think it was grant morrison or warren ellis one or the other um, gave designations numbers to these alternate universes. Uh, and the Marvel universe of the you know regular monthly comics is referred to as this 616 universe. Um, and everything else that diverges from there is given some other crazy number. Uh, so it was kind of funny that, uh, that they referred to it as 616, because again, that's, that's the regular Marvel comics uh, universe. Yeah, that was really, uh, that was really fun to hear. I smiled quietly to myself. What else uh, about the plane? There was something about the plane. Oh, Sky saved the day by deploying one of the lifeboats to seal up the hole. Yeah, Indiana Jones in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> right. You know what? I'm sorry, but that lifeboat would have been shredded sucked and sucked out. right out. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, apparently they flew all the way to the Slingshot, which is a pretty awesome name for a secret shield base, by the way. Um, they flew all the way to the Slingshot with a spare tire on and i'm sorry but that ain't gonna happen the only thing i can think of is that hole was in there for so long that the pressure equalized and it was just enough to make it so that something wouldn't quote unquote suck out because the pressure equalized but yeah i guess um but yeah way too flimsy unless it's made out of some sort of uh crazy you know marvel universe material i think there was even a rip in the floor of that raft already i think it was I, I didn't noticed, see that. I think I noticed a, a rip or a tear, and I thought, well, the wind's just going to make that bigger. But It was a cool effect, though. I mean, regardless of whether you can suspend disbelief to, you know, for them to yeah. take a inflatable lifeboat into it, the fact that it just kind of, you know, Sky released it because she watched or she looked at the um, the evacuation manual, which I yeah, thought that, was kind of funny. That, that was they a actually, nice callback, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, he, that hands they had it, pamphlet. he hands it to her and says, you might want to read this. And then she's later on, she's like, I read the pamphlet. Yeah. And again, you know, served mul multiple purposes. One, to call back to, to the fact that she looked at it. Two, that she was willing to unstrap herself and kind of uh, go out on a limb for the betterment of the team. But just the way that all played out, you know, the thing inflated and, and sealed up the hole right as Ward was headed for it. It, it was just kind of a really cool action-y moment. Yeah. It was fun. I'll put it. Let's put it that way. Is there anything else on your list before we get to the uh, the awesome end of the show? Uh, just one thing. I, I when Colson early on, I think uh, I forget. I forget what happened, but he did something. I think I think um, Camilla said something to him, and he's like, "Yeah, I work out." 
<laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny. I like Colson a lot, man. I want to get coffee yeah. with Colson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so, so that was funny. I'm gonna have to start scheduling coffee dates. I know, man. You're gonna I got be three or four lined up already. They you're don't gonna be know. over caffeinated. I know. Hopefully, I can do it all on different days. But uh, yeah, he's funny. Yeah, work out. Yeah. You know, some uh, some people don't. Some of our friends that will shall name nameless aren't huge fans of of. Colson in the movies, you know, his humor, his, for lack of a better way to say it, his flippant attitude. I don't know that any of those people have actually used the word flippant, but, um, his dry wit. Yeah. Some of our friends uh, are not fans of that, but I just love it. Oh, I, yeah. I can't get enough. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's beautiful. Uh, and the last bit before we get to the end, uh, that I'll do real quick so we don't go too long is uh, we got to see another exclusive premiere of Thor The Dark World, which didn't really add too much new, but I think this is going to be a weekly occurrence uh, during the first or second commercial break as we're going to see some sort of a uh, uh, little bit of added footage for Thor The Dark World, which, again, kind of goes to what I've talked about many times, is this show being a promotional vehicle for uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe and probably Disney's uh, movie engine in general. Yeah, I would agree. Completely, and um, the more I see about Thor to the Dark World, the more excited I get. It just looks fantastic. Yeah, totally. Very. I liked the first one a lot, but I'm very excited for the second one. Yeah. All right. So, do we want to uh, do we want to start this with a clip and then and then talk about it, or do we want to talk about it first? No, we can we can play the clip because um, it's fun to listen to. Before we play it, though, I want to comment on something. That Clark Gleg, Clark Gleg, Gleg, that Clark Greg tweeted. He said, "Make sure." And I, I think I actually heard it on a TV commercial. He was so he was just repeating, you know, what the ABC machine had already said, which which was stay to the end through the credits. You know, they made a point of saying stay through the credits. And so when this scene happened that we are getting ready to listen to, I was surprised. I didn't expect it. I expected to see credits and then to have the yeah. big reveal. So yeah. maybe it's just a matter of semantics, but um, either way, I was happy with the result. I agree. Let's listen to it. Really? Really, Colson? Six days? It only took you six days to take a completely renovated piece of state-of-the-art machinery and turn it into scrap? My team acted with my authority. Don't talk to me about authority. Do you know how much this plane cost? It's got a bar. Really nice one. Talking to me about authority. You know, I have the authority to downgrade your ass to a Winnebago. I'm aware of that, sir. Well, I want it fixed just like you found it. So don't have Fitzsimmons going making modifications like a damn fish tank. Yes, sir. And the new girl. She's a risk. I know, sir. You know, sir. How's Lola? She's fine, sir. Thanks for asking. Talking to me about authority. Yeah, we're going to have to kill the fish tank. That was fun. I loved it. And all, the whole time, I I had a feeling, you know, something like this was going to happen, but I never once saw the promo with the patch on the on the eye patch on that lo, in the logo. Oh, really? Yeah, never not once. Oh. So I I kind of had a feeling that was it and as it got closer to to the airing, they weren't very subtle. And, and the media didn't help. They pretty much were uh, waving that flag of, you know, it coming. So it, it didn't surprise me a bit. I really thought it was going to be, like you said, after the ending credits or in a minimized window, or it was going to be something very quick, like not even with Coulson in it, but just like maybe, you know, Fury reading a report and being like, it's going to cost how much to fix this plane? You know, just something... Like Something, one, or, one line, one quick line. Yes. It was like yes. a full minute almost, right? Yeah, it was a full minute. So to me, I thought that was really, really cool. Uh, you know, that we got the exchange between him and Colson. Uh, and again, it just, uh, just perfect for me. I mean, it just, I, I loved every, every second of it. Talking to me about authority. 
that's what killed me. Like that last one yeah. walking off, I was just that just had me rolling. Yeah. And then the whole bit about the bar, <laughs> it was just Yeah, that was that was good. And then again, like you said, you know, he refers to them. He says, "And don't don't let Fitzsimmons put put some damn fish tank in here." And you know, again, it, they're just one person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like it. I guess they've been a, a team like that for a while. It's yeah, and you could definitely tell by the way the two characters interact with each other. They seem to know when something when one thing upsets the other. They seem to know what it is that upsets the other. So, uh, yeah, I just I yeah, it, it's just. It's very, very well done. Looking forward to next week. So it makes me wonder, do you think this is going to be a recurring thing? Like at the end of every episode, it's going to be either Fury or Maria Hill uh, dressing down Coulson over something that happened? Or do you think they're going to try and get creative and each episode is going to have some sort of something else, but something tied into to the greater universe? I don't, I don't have a, an opinion on that either way. But um, Johnny does, so why don't we play his voicemail, and then uh, we can get his thoughts on the episode, and he has some thoughts about the uh, the ending of each episode. So let's listen to that. All righty. Hey, guys, it's John. Not sure if I'll be able to make the recording tonight, so I uh, just wanted to send you a little voicemail, give you my thoughts on episode two. Uh, I liked it. I liked it as much, if not maybe a little more than the pilot. I thought it flowed a little bit better. Uh, maybe it's because they got all of the introductions and stuff out of the way, and we got a boatload of action, which was pretty cool. I still like Melinda May best. Uh, I think her character seems to be the most interesting to me right now. I like all of the other characters. They're just kind of slowly coming around. Not a huge fan of Sky, but I don't think we're supposed to be. Uh, knowing that she's kind of like a double agent and, uh, you know, screwing them over to some extent. I, I still don't think she knows what she's into with the rising tide. I think that she thinks she's just doing like a great sort of journalism job being undercover with S.H.I.E.L.D. and she's going to get great stories and info. Um, I think she'll find out down the road that they're... Uh, much more uh, ill, no, what's the word I'm looking for? They're bad people, and she doesn't know about it yet. Uh, of course, the Samuel L. Jackson Fury thing was great at the end. Um, my guess is that they filmed a bunch of Fury scenes in one day that we'll slowly get over time uh, through the course of the season. And I also think that they could be repeating the fact that they blow up the plane all the time. As we mentioned last show, you know, there used to be, or there still is, a big joke within the comics that they always crash the helicarriers. Maybe they carry that over into the shield plane that they fly in, and, you know, every few episodes they mess it up, and they have to explain to Fury, or we get his reaction and interaction with Coulson about what they did to the plane. I could see that being funny. I, I could see it coming back a number of times so really cool I'm, I'm happy still and uh hopefully i'll be able to catch up with you guys next time take it easy so john thinks the ending is going to be he's he's considering the possibility that the ending will be fury each time which i you know would kind of like but i think the logistics of filming a bunch of scenes with him uh, at once it seemed like it would be kind of restricting. Um, I, I think, yeah, if they did it, I think like John said, the, they probably just had him for a day or two days. And it's like, here's set A, here's set B, and we're just going to film it all and, and just have it in the can. And then as it fits into each episode, they'll just clip it back in. Because, yeah, I don't see him just kind of making this recurring appearance. The other thing, too, is, I think when they were filming a lot of this, they were wrapping filming on Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which he has a pretty um, good role, a sizable role in, from what I understand. So it could be that they had him available and just shuttled him over to the S.H.I.E.L.D. set and just uh, had stuff ready for him to go. Or it's Sam Jackson. Who knows? I mean, he's he he's very much into all this stuff and he could have very much said, I don't care. I'll you know. 
if I'm home, call me, I'll come over and we'll just do it, you know, whatever. Uh, but yeah, I think it'll be interesting. I just hope it's not, I, I get what he's saying about the plane and that would be funny because that's the shield, the helicarrier joke. But I think if it's every week him chewing Colson out about the plane being wrecked, I think after a while that's going to wear a little thin. Um, I, I think there's ways they can do that to kind of spice it up. And I think there's plenty going on that they could have him add his two cents in. But something tells me there's going to be more to it because this season's probably going to be 20 or 22 episodes. I can't see them doing this 19 more times. So, Do we know that they got a full season yes. order? Yes. Is it not a 13 like, you know, no. seems to be the the trend nowadays. No, my understanding, it's either it's going to be 20 or 22. It, it definitely got a full full episode order. I could see Sam Jackson saying, yeah, just give me a call and I'll I'll get my pilot and we'll fly over my jet. Yeah, you know, we'll shoot a couple of things. I wonder how many episodes they've got completely scripted out, you know, when they were filming those. Like, would they actually have several episodes worth of things for him to film. Yeah, I'm yeah, they're I think they're heavy filming the rest of the season at this point cuz I I I in just watching some of the tweets, I know that um the actor that plays Grant Ward tweeted the other day and was like, "Hey, sorry I missed the live tweet for the East Coast broadcast. Uh actually on set filming today, uh you know, and you try and catch the West Coast." And I know uh that they took a break from filming to go out to Comic-Con. So they're in the thick of of getting this thing, getting the rest of the season filmed, uh, which tells me that at least half, if not three quarters, of these episodes are are, if not completely scripted out, they're they're definitely plotted out. I would say. I'm also thinking linearly, you know, which is odd because, you know, I'm a non-linear editor, which means I I don't have to go chronologically in time. But I'm think what I was thinking originally when I asked that question was. Yeah, they were filming episodes one and two, and they so they shot episodes, or the 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 um the fury the uh, fury cameo at the end of two, when they shot the rest of it. Well, that doesn't necessarily mean that's when they shot it. They could have shot it two weeks ago. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and then put it in. So the pilot was definitely shot several months before the rest of the season. I think the the pilot was shot at the end of 2012. And they didn't get a full episode order or even a partial order until into 2013. So I don't think they picked up filming again until um, like May, April or May, if I'm not mistaken. So there was a several month gap between filming the pilot and then filming the, the rest of the show. Yeah, but they could, you know, they could shoot six, seven episodes. Sure. That won't air for another, you know, the earliest one wouldn't air for another three weeks. And then they could shoot, you know five or six Nick Fury cameos to put at the end of those. Yeah. So and it could work and, that way. And I imagine depending on the set pieces, you know, I have no idea about the logistics of filming, but if the, if the episodes are scripted and everything's good, I, I would imagine if it's some sort of complicated set piece or an expensive set piece that they can't keep um, erected, that they would film all the stuff on that one set piece, dismantle that set or move it or whatnot and then and then move on. So it could be that if they know this set piece is going to be used for five episodes and they've got it scripted out, they'd probably just go ahead and shoot it all and then, you know, cut, you know, cut it in when it, you know, when it needs to take place. On our Twitter feed for uh, Shield Podcast, it's at Shield Podcast. We got a tweet from the, well, from at Beyond the Bowtie. It's from Matt and Cat, and they have a podcast, Doctor Who podcast called Beyond the Bowtie. Um, they said the ending of this episode calmed my nerves about being able to connect the movies and the TV show. So they liked the Nick Fury tie-in. It definitely does tie it in with the movie, obviously. And, um, it could be just something as simple as that, you know, tying it in. They don't have to set up a a movie, I suppose, as long as it takes place in the, in the same universe you know it'll work yeah i agree i agree uh jimmy in georgia jimmy at jimmy and ga says uh he wasn't spoiled on the ending so he was able to thoroughly enjoy and love the ending of the episode which was awesome i guess i would envy anybody who hadn't heard that there was supposed to have been a cameo of some kind 
But, you know, ABC pretty much said, you got to watch the end of the next week. So, yeah, I guess there was, uh, they didn't get specific in their spoilerness. So, but anyway. Sort of. We have a Facebook page that apparently is a little difficult to find when people are searching for it on the Facebook. So we will, I will post a link to our Facebook page in the article for this episode on the HH. WLOD.com website. You can also go to, if you forget that, just go to shieldpodcast.com and it'll take you there. But in the article for this particular episode, I will put the link for our Shield Facebook page if you're interested in uh, going there and liking that and uh, posting things about the show or our show. Leave us some iTunes reviews. If you guys, uh, whether you listen to it on iTunes or not, uh, uh, leave us some iTunes reviews. That that definitely helps us get noticed, uh, especially with the popularity of the show increasing. Uh, it'd be nice to increase our viewership, hopefully, if you enjoy what we're doing and have been doing. Uh, so head on over to iTunes and leave us a review. We do actually have a iTunes review on the Shield TV podcast page in iTunes um, from an old friend of ours, Philip Hurd, who's been listening to our network, the HHWLOD network, for quite a long time. He says, uh, looking for a... Com- uh, looking for a companion podcast for the new show? You found it. The dudes at the HHWLOD Network have long been producing quality companion podcasts for geeky TV shows. They've been discussing news and media releases for the new show, and you can count on some good reviews when the show comes out. This was left back in May before the show actually started. But, uh, yeah, we got lots of shows on the network. If you want to, if you listen to any of the others, leave us reviews for those too. Mainly just. For me personally, it's just so I know what people think about the show. Sometimes it's easier if you're messing around on iTunes anyway to just leave a review there instead of reading, uh, writing an email or whatever. So whatever's comfortable, whatever you're comfortable with. We like the feedback, so send us send us feedback however you see fit. Uh, the other place you can go to check stuff out is ShieldTV.net. They've uh, been a big supporter of our podcast from the very early days. They're a site that has tons of shield related news kind of as it happens uh, a great source they have a live chat feature on the website which is pretty cool uh, they do a lot of live chatting on the east coast and west coast uh, broadcast for the show so if you're you know don't want to spoil people on twitter or don't want to be you know you know afraid that people are going to freak out and, and unfollow you on twitter or defriend you on facebook for spoiling shield you can go there and check it out and uh, live chat the show and check out all the news uh, they do have their own podcast, uh, actually, they started up at uh, Shield TV. So uh, definitely check them out. They, Like I said, they've been uh, good supporters of our podcast from the, from the word go. Well, I'm looking forward to next week. And one of the things that the uh, ShieldTV.net website has is a, a list of all the episodes, um, current and past and future. And uh, we know the episode for next week is going to be called The Asset and if you don't want any spoilers, then don't listen to what I'm about to say, which is uh, the summary that they have listed. But if you watch the... You know, it's funny, Johnny um, Johnny M. watches uh, shows, but he prefers not to see the next week preview. Um, which, I, to me, that's just an enormous amount of self-control that, that, uh, that I don't have. I don't have it either. Yeah. Can't, yeah. Yeah. But if you're like John and you don't want to hear the summary for next week, then uh, go ahead and stop uh, your podcast player of, of choice, and uh, we'll see you next time. But here comes a summary for The Asset. When the brilliant scientist Dr. Franklin Hall is kidnapped, Agent Coulson and his S.H.I.E.L.D. agents must race against the clock to locate him. Sky is their only way in, pushing the team to their limits when the entire plan turns upside down. This even sounds like a third type of episode, you know? Yeah. We had Freak of the Week, and then we had some strange unknown object, an 084, and now we've got, uh, you know, a kidnapping. So it's it's even a, a third type of story, which is good. I think Variety's really going to work for this show. And uh, not to get too far into it, but uh, Dr. Franklin Hall is someone from the greater Marvel Universe. We've kind of talked about this before. Uh, we'll get into it more next week when we talk about episode three. Um, but we we will be able to kind of tie that back to you and give you a little bit of background knowledge on at least the comic book version of Dr. Franklin Hall and maybe uh, give us some foreshadowing as to what's to come from his character down the road. 
I didn't know that, so that's cool. I'll be looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 real quick, just to get back on when you said the, the third type of show, for the second type of show, which we talked, you know, which this one was, was the object. Uh, I thought it was cool at the end that they just put it on a rocket and launched it into the sun. <laughs> oh, yeah, we totally kind of blew past that yeah, yeah. thing called the And that's why it was called the slingshot, because they're just basically shooting it up from the earth you know, yeah. into the sun. I think that's awesome. Yeah, that way nobody else can get a hold of it and, you know, it doesn't fall into the wrong hands uh, and stuff like that. So One of these days when I have my own secret hideout, I'm going to call it the Slingshot. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. All right, so thanks for joining us for Episode 2 of the Shield Podcast. Again, please uh, leave us an iTunes review if you feel inclined. Please uh, send us an email at shieldpodcast at hhwlod.com. We will, I will post the... Link to the Facebook page in the article for this episode on the uh, shieldpodcast.com website. And follow us on Twitter at shieldpodcast. You can follow me at Brad Milo, that's M-I-L-Y-O. And you can follow Russell at, what is it, R. Latham? At R. Latham. All right. So, Russell, until next week, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you soon. Don't talk to me about authority. And uh, kill the fish tank. Ugh. Just call a sheep.